Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. Welcome to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers. Leaders are the heartbeat of any organization. Let Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler show you what it takes to become a top 10% performer in your organization. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler. Hi, this is uh, welcome to Leadership Development News. This is Dr. Relly Nadler. I'm with Dr. Kathy Greenberg. We're excited to be here today. We've helped thousands of leaders and executives perform in the top 10%. And today, we're going to be talking about optimizing performance in the private equity market um, with Hugh Little. And Kathy and I want to bring you the best in current leadership topics, interviews of proven leaders, and what we really like is evidence-based best practices to help you develop more leaders in your organization. And welcome, Kathy. Hi, thanks, Relly. We have um, Hugh Lytle with us today, and he's going to really help us understand some of the differences that I know I have questions about from a leadership uh, perspective um, between the private equity market and, and equities market. So stay tuned, and we're going to talk about that. But we know leaders are the very heart of any organization, and most leaders really underestimate just how much influence they actually have over others. And as a result, their teams can underperform. But doing just a few things differently, both Relly and I believe, can drastically improve your performance and your organization's. What you'll learn in these shows are how to develop more leaders in your organization, what happy companies actually know about performance that you can learn, emotional intelligence and positive psychology strategies, brain and neuroscience contributions to top performance, generation and gender differences, work-life balance practices, strategies for managing your boss, self-management tools to be your best, plus many more tools and tips. Raleigh, why don't you talk a little bit more about our show? Sure. Well, so uh, before we bring on uh, Hugh Lytle, and he's the principal of StarWest Ventures, the LLC, a strategic healthcare advisory in Tempe, Arizona, and the operating executive with GenStar Capital, a premier private equity firm, we always like to give you just some leadership development uh, facts that's evidence-based. So a few of these things before we move on is you can increase performance by as much as 77% while increasing your life and professional satisfaction by as much as 50%. With coaching, you can increase profit in creating coaching networks inside your company in just one day. Studies show that happiness is tied to profit by more than 93%. And the other thing we know is that leaders have an incredible amount of influence over their team. A lot of studies show as much as 50 to 70% influence over the climate of their team. The reason is emotions are contagious, and the leaders are the emotional thermostat of their team. We're focusing on what does it uh, take to become a top 10% performer, and we know from the research that it's emotional intelligence that helps people get in the top 10%. Matter of fact, the further you move up in an organization, up to about 85% of someone's success is based on emotional intelligence, competencies, when compared to either IQ or techno expertise. The more leaders you have in the top 10%, um, the, the reason is they are twice as uh, as they produce twice as much revenue to the organization as leaders in the 11th through the 89th percentile. 
when coaching is added to training, training helps productivity in some research 22%. But when you add coaching to it, you get a bump of about 88% in productivity. And like Kathy said, a few small activities that hopefully you can get from this uh, show and the interviews that we do can help you. If you want more information about leadership and coaching from Dr. Kathy Greenberg, her website is www.h2cleadership.com. She has uh, happiness books, tools, speaking, uh, keynote topics, leadership, and coaching services. If you're interested in getting more information from me, Dr. Rowan Nadler, you can go to www.truenorthleadership for emotional intelligence books, tools, speaking, keynote uh, topics, leadership, and coaching boot camps. Thanks, Relly. I'm really excited today to have Hugh Lytle with us. Um, he is the CEO of a great new company called Star West Ventures. Um, he's going to be talking about some exciting new mission-driven opportunities. And before founding Star West, Hugh was president and co-founder of Axia Health Management. It's uh, one of the nation's first true single-source providers of integrated preventive health and wellness benefits. And Mr. Lytle successfully sold that company to Healthways, Inc. Um, that's a NASDAQ company, HWAY, for $450 million in 2006. Now, that's a great leadership development success story. Hughes served as Senior Vice President for Healthways, supporting the integration of the companies before founding Star West in 2007. Um, I want you to, to help us welcome Hugh, and he's going to talk, us, uh, talk to us today about leadership insights, to the challenges of a multi-unit integration experience, including issues like group goal setting and alignment, strategic coaching for personal mastery, teaching smart people how to learn, which, as you know, is really difficult, and dealing with difficult situations while finding gratitude and success along the way. Um, Mr. Lytle earned an MBA from Butler University and a BA from the University of Indianapolis, and I was truly very blessed and fortunate to meet Hugh a few years ago when he was leading one of the most historic strategic acquisitions in the healthcare market. Hugh was the leader in this effort, taking five companies collectively to market. Getting all the leaders to move in the same direction was certainly a challenge. However, he was very successful, eventually integrating the needs of all the various leaders under one mission and achieving tremendous financial success for everyone involved. I want to welcome Hugh, and thanks for being with us today. Thank you. Good morning. Hugh, I just want to um, ask you to help us, um, including Raleigh and I, understand the distinctions in the private equity market and the equities market before we get started. Okay, yeah, sure. For, for clarification, equities markets generally mean anything having to do with stocks and is generally a, uh, uh, a function of public companies. Um, what uh, private equity is is generally uh, 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 private companies, uh, and these are generally high-growth companies that uh, will uh, back a management team <coughs> um, like myself and, and my team and then allow us to make Acquisitions that support uh, the business thesis that we're trying to um, to accomplish, and uh, they do that through um, uh, through generally through acquisitions. Um, however, our job as a management team is to uh, not just acquire companies, uh, but to uh, add a layer of value onto that for uh, for the sponsors, for our shareholders, and then obviously uh, to uh, improve the business. So. That is uh, primarily the difference. It's a uh, sometimes they get the term buyouts, 
uh, buyout shops, but uh, I can tell you it's a lot more than that. It generally involves, um, you know, returns in the area of, uh, you know, 25 to 45% internal rate of returns. I'm proud to say actually it was 105%. Mm-hmm. So uh, they're looking for, um, <clears throat> you know, significant return. And uh, really they're loaded up with some of the smartest and best and brightest this country has to offer uh, around uh, uh, building uh, due diligence plans to really understand the companies you're acquiring, structuring deals, and then they really provide a tremendous amount of board and, and strategic support. We were very fortunate to work with uh, two outstanding firms in building Axia, Genstar Capital, which was uh, Rob Weltman and James Nadald, and then Nautic Partners, which was Scott Holinsky and Chris Crosby. Uh, these guys are uh, really uh, well-versed in healthcare and uh, were real supportive to us being able to achieve our, our goal. Well, I can certainly hear the excitement in your voice. Relly, I'm, I'm sure you're chewing at the bit to ask some questions. Yeah, you... Um, Kind of going back to you um, co-founding one of the nation's top health management companies, and tell us what it was, what it was like to um, you know be the co-founder of that, and then going through that process. Then we'll get a little more specific with some of the other questions. Okay. Well, I, mean, I don't think I got a chance to first let me uh, thank you for having me on the show. It's uh, sure. an impressive format you guys have, and I'm um, you know uh, really happy to have the opportunity to share some of my insights. But what it was like to build Axia was. Uh, uh, a lot of fun, but also a lot of challenge. And uh, uh, first and foremost, though, I'd say it's probably the greatest experience was for me to work with one of healthcare industry's uh, greatest CEOs. And of course, I'm a little biased here, but it's my father, Ben Lytle. Uh. Uh, ben was the uh, uh, really helped build the nation's largest health plan, uh, WellPoint, uh, through uh, building up of Anthem. <clears throat> and uh, so I've been in healthcare my whole life, and him and I had always had a dream of working together. So it was great to be able to do that. And so. I was, uh, uh, it was really an apprenticeship for me uh, that was a transforming event in my life, you know, beyond just, just business uh, and, and being a business leader. It was as a person and even as a son, you know, you find the closeness that you probably wouldn't have found. I probably would have never known how good my father was as a CEO, but I feel like I learned from, uh, at least I got a lifetime of lessons from, from him in that uh, brief three-year experience that we had together. So I would say that was probably one of the premier things about what we did. Uh, I'd say that secondly, um, it was exciting for uh, me, uh, Ben had done this before, but it was exciting for me to go from a, uh, really from a business thesis, uh, from, from we, we, we knew that there was a market coming in prevention and wellness, but we started with um, <clears throat> you know, doing our research. It took us about a year or two of research before we ever um, really uh, uh, got engaged because we were big on the strategic planning components. We're big on making sure that we execute against that plan and that we have our facts right before we start. So it was exciting to uh, go from a uh, idea to a platform and then from a platform really to more of an integrated company and then from an integrated company to a major division in a national health services company, which was Healthways. You can we, can we, you we, just pause for a second and talk a little bit about the different components of what Axia Health management organization included. Sure, we uh, part of our thesis was to uh, uh, to be able to uh, we wanted to be able to bring prevention and wellness uh, to to a scaled audience, be able to bring it to millions of members. Um, it had always been an industry of uh, a lot of mom and pop businesses, all tremendous businesses doing really great things, but um, <clears throat> never really had the scale to deliver it at a national level, which is generally what's needed for for health plans and uh, uh, and employers to be able to uh, 
provide the, the programs in mass. Um, they're hard to they're hard to customize for for, for lots of people. So. Uh, what we wanted to do is we wanted to be able to, at a mission level, was to be able to reduce, um, uh, be able to prevent or reduce uh, uh, chronic disease through uh, intervening with, with programs around diet and nutrition, around physical activity, <coughs> uh, around helping people stop smoking, and around stress and depression management. Those were areas that uh, generally are contributed or what contribute to poor health. And then what poor health contributes to is, of course, chronic disease. So... Uh, I hear music. <laughs> We're going to come back just in okay. a few minutes, and we'll continue on here with Hugh Lytle on Leadership Development News. The bottom line in business, Voice America Business. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and influence so you and your team perform better what do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately how do you delegate effectively how do you develop strong relationships across the organization emotional intelligence training coaching books and tools by dr nadler are available at his website www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066 Once upon a time, there lived three energy hogs. Now, an energy hog is what you have when humans waste energy. One day, the three energy hogs set out to find themselves a cottage. Let's look for leaky windows, said the first energy hog, for he knew that would waste energy. Let's look for leaky doors, said the second. Let's look for a swing set, said the third, for he had more blubber than brains. So they set off down the road. Presently, they came upon a tiny cottage where dwelled a clever girl named Dreadilocks. I hope it has leaky windows, cried the first energy hog. I hope it has leaky doors, cried the second. I hope it has a bathroom, cried the third, for only his brains were smaller than his bladder. But Dreadilocks liked playing cool games at energyhog.org. And from energyhog.org, she learned how to use energy wisely. So the three energy hogs were forced to look elsewhere to waste energy and had to use the disgusting restroom at the gas station down the road. And the moral of the story is, to use energy wisely, log on to energyhog.org or waste not, hog not. This public service message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy and the Ad Council. If you want the tools to thrive in today's competitive workplace, you've come to the right place. Getting to the top will teach you how to climb the ladder of success with diplomacy and integrity. Host Mark Murphy has been named the leadership guru and brings to talk radio advice on difficult management situations like giving your boss bad news and how to speak the truth without making people angry, which we all know will come in handy someday. Climb to the top with Mark Murphy every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. That's getting to the top on Voice America Business Channel. The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. You're 
You're listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions that you're just dying to ask, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. I'm Dr. Relly Nadler here with Dr. Kathy Greenberg. And Hugh Lytle, and before the break, Hugh was telling us about uh, Axia, the healthcare company that he sold. And one of the questions, Hugh, we want to know maybe just kind of how, how big was Axia? We know in, in the millions what it sold for, but how many people uh, did you serve? And just to kind of get an idea, how many employees? And Sure. Um, Axia was, uh, <clears throat> see, we, we were doing about, um, uh, we were doing a little over $200 million in revenue at the time. Uh, we were uh, we had about uh, I want to say around six to seven hundred employees, mm-hmm. and um, <clears throat> we were spread out across five geographic regions, which uh, made it management at times challenging. Uh, uh, but uh, you know, we also one of the things I think that made it successful is that we uh, felt it was very important to get face time. So every month we had three days together um, uh, where we'd lock up in uh, a hotel meeting room and. Uh, continue to, to beat against the strategy that we set out, which uh, every time we left, I always say we left a better company than we did going in. So it was real important for us to do that. And, Hugh, how many, how many lives were you actually responsible for? We, we touched uh, about, uh, at, at one point in time, about 75 million lives. So if you figure people with health insurance is around 180 to 200 million people, that's uh, a pretty healthy uh, percentage. And we did that through <clears throat> our biggest, uh, probably our biggest footprint was in the area of uh, complementary and alternative medicine. We have one of the nation's, uh, I believe, second largest network of everything from chiropractors to massage therapists to Pilates instructors, uh, and on and on and on. Um, and uh, we also had um, uh, a program called Silver Sneakers, which is uh, the nation's preeminent uh, senior fitness program. And in that program, we had about, uh, I want to say around 3 to 4 million lives, which was almost half of the entire Medicare Advantage uh, population uh, that were enrolled in this program. And uh, it was just a tremendous success. Uh, the entrepreneurs who built that program just did a great job with it. How did it feel when, when you made this decision uh, to sell your first dream uh, to achieve yet even another stage of, of your vision as a leader? How, how did that feel? Well, uh, quite frankly, it felt very odd initially. Um, maybe it was uh, due to the short amount of time we actually had the company. You know, we had been planning it for quite a while, but by the time we had it, you know, we ended up selling it in about uh, two and a half to three years after we uh, had started it. So, um, and, and I, I, you know, I felt I think at the time that our better days were even uh, ahead of us. Um, and, you know, we may have sold too soon, but I think balance with the market risk as a standalone business, maybe not. It's, it's, you never really know on that. But as a leader, you know, it's, it's always disheartening when you know that you're going through an acquisition because uh, you know there's going to be significant changes to the business. You know, there always are. Um, I think for some of our leaders, there was advancement and growth, and for others, and, you know, an end to a good run. So, you know, I had mixed emotions about it, but uh, I was excited, though, that our dream really reached fruition, and um, you know, I mentioned earlier our strategic plan. You know, we, we executed it almost to a T, almost to the exact way we had drawn it out. And um, the, and that included an exit strategy. So, you know, the exit strategy is always part of good planning. And I guess you never really are prepared for when it 
when it happens, but it was a it was a uh, you know one of those things where someone shot an offer in to us uh, uh, we weren't expecting and uh, caught us off guard, and that allowed us to go back to people who had been friendly um, at that time, and, and Healthways was one of those companies, and um, you know Healthways said to us, look. We're going to make this quick, and we're going to make it painless, and uh, we're going to uh, give you all the momentum we can give you to make this happen in a short amount of time. And so uh, we said, all right, we'll give you a shot, and they sure they did it in 60 days. So uh, wow. it was uh, it came together very, very fast, and it ended very fast, but it was worth it. Uh, well, I mean, I guess I'd say, well, I was sad to see our mission go. I was renewed, though, with the energy, though, that allowed me to really carry forward the lessons that I learned from Axie into a new venture that we're going to be looking at doing here next. And so we'll we'll talk about that new venture in a moment, but I think just you know for our <laughs> listeners who are you know many uh, leaders, managers, and organizations to execute as well as you did to your strategic plan is just phenomenal. Like you said, oh, it sounded like it just kind of uh, rolled rolled right out according to schedule. You had to go back and say what were some of the key ingredients you know of getting your key leaders together. And I, I know in in the work in Kathy and I do, it's so easy the execution is the issue. It's not necessarily the strategic plan. What, what would you say were some of the key ingredients that allowed you to kind of execute uh, so well? Well, um, that's really the, the, the unique thing about private equity. Um, you, you mentioned earlier in your introduction about alignment. Um, alignment is everything in what we do. Um, so, first of all, we had some tremendous managers, and, you know, you don't, you don't always get that, but uh, we were fortunate to have uh, folks that had uh, run these businesses that we acquired that were, were very good at what they did. Um, but it was our job to make sure that we lined up the uh, incentives and that, we, and that we had clear alignment going in. And, you know, when you think about alignment, it's at, it's at multiple levels. It's, it's what you're trying to achieve as a business. It's what you're trying to achieve as a team. It's what you're trying to achieve at a personal level. And um, everybody's got different motivators. Um, you know, everybody has different needs in terms of what they want to accomplish, even with their own personal careers. So we had to usually put that all into a mix and uh, come up to uh, an evaluation point with our board around uh, the company itself, what the leaders, uh, what we could expect of them post-closing. And then our job was to both manage at the execution level, manage um, what uh, a set of principles we went by, which first of all was do no harm. Um, we believe all these businesses we bought were all great and growing businesses with or without Axia. And so we never wanted to go in and be disruptive to anything that they were doing, and we wanted to make sure that we respected the culture that was established, you know, in those organizations. And, you know, you get a little schizophrenic at the Axia corporate level at times trying to put on a different hat, but it's, I think it's imperative to success that you don't go in and disrupt what they're doing. So we tried to limit that, um, uh, that, that type of uh, distraction. Then we also... Um, uh, uh, the, the next step was to, from an alignment perspective, was to make sure that the core business, the business that they uh, had been running, continued to run well, and we were able to grow that. And generally, that was through cross-selling efforts. We had other um, uh, um, tricks in our bag at that point, and so they could cross-sell. For example, if you had a smoking cessation program, you had the opportunity to cross-sell a uh, uh, some type of a healthy weight program because generally those two go hand in hand. And um, <clears throat> we. Uh, we're able to do that, and then the third level of alignment came at the uh, at the integrated level, where we were trying to integrate the products. So, if you think about it, in private equity, a lot of times you're buying companies who are on earnouts. So the the guys are getting paid more money um, if they achieve their core business objectives, 
as if you hadn't bought them from before, but you're buying them at a price that they need to reach, basically, through, through increased sales. So when you come in and ask them to do something that isn't in their core business that's for the greater good of the bigger organization, you know, you have to be aligned in what that's going to be. So um, we were pretty good about setting objectives, setting clear uh, milestones and clear uh, incentives for what that meant to achieve at, at an integrated level. And then, of course, at the personal level, I think it was always just, um, <clears throat> you know, we, we, we were aligned economically. Everybody knew that we would do better as an organization and we'd do better personally um, if we had the, um, we were able to hit those, those larger integrated Axia goals. And, um, and I think everybody did very well in the transaction. So. Hugh, you, you touch on something that Raleigh and I find so important in any leader, and that is personal mastery. You know, the ability to, to know yourself well enough to know how that alignment among this leadership team is going to benefit you and your organization's mission. Do you believe that coaching and personal mastery can make a difference in these situations? And, and how, how have you seen that play out? Well, I'm a huge believer in coaching. <clears throat> there's, a, I guess there's a lot of things that, uh, you know, that you talk about in this program that are um, critical success. And I would say I, I kind of work at least as, as a, as Ben's son, uh, uh, and him being the out front guy for the most part, me having to do a lot of the internal work, um, I was uh, what I'd call it was kind of put into the emotional swamplands. So I had, uh, I think, um, it, it, for me personally, I, I came through through coaching. I was able to, uh, to come to realize I think that it takes trueness and direct honesty. That I think's missing from sometimes uh, leaders because they're trying to figure too many things out. And I also think that. Uh, the personal mastery of, 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 I guess, disciplined or critical thinking is important, as well as, for me personally, it's really managing your ego um, because uh, it, it's so easy to, uh, it, to, 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 to forget uh, what, what you're trying to achieve and let your ego get in the way of that. And I think um, there's just not a lot of room for that, uh, in the, at least in the work I do. We have very proud entrepreneurs running these businesses, and uh, our job is to keep them moving in the general direction so I think that's important. I think adaptability to ideas was a big one, and then kind of a uh, you know, just a confidence or an emotional confidence that comes from uh, uh, you know, knowing where you're going and helping them get to where they're going. So, um, you know, I think my situation was a little unique uh, in that I'd never managed entrepreneurs before, and that usually doesn't happen in private equity. Um, uh, and I was, you know, by their standards, I was young and unproven. So. Um, coaching was actually suggested to me to mitigate some of the risk, and, and, and I agreed to participate. And uh, Although I was nervous uh, and expected it to be a bunch of, uh, you know, kind of leadership exercises that I could see through to what they were trying to establish, um, it, really, uh, it really wasn't. It was really something else. Um, and, and I came into it with my own bias, and, uh, you know, and I left with uh, being a much more effective manager. So I'm, I'm a big believer. It sounds like um, you just were saying... From the, from the coaching standpoint, and then, and then just hearing you, you speak, first, the, the amount of respect um, that you had for all the entrepreneurs that you were dealing with, and as, as it is kind of a tightrope, you know, uh, respecting what they're doing and then allowing them to do that, but the same vein, keeping them uh, in line with the overall vision. And so how do you go about that, um, you know, with all these entrepreneurs? Well, maybe we'll come back to that question as far as alignment and then the communication of that when we come back. This is Leadership Development News, and we'll be right back. 
Online and Business. Voice America Business. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and influence so you and your team perform better what do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately how do you delegate effectively how do you develop strong relationships across the organization emotional intelligence training coaching books and tools by dr nadler are available at his website www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066 before every word there is a thought before every action, there is a thought. If everything starts with a leader, what happens when leaders around the world start to think and do things differently? I'm thinking the world will change. Evolve the leader. Evolve the company. Change the world. Join Susan Kavanaugh for Summit Speak. All Leaders Rise. Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Adding fractions is nothing. For real? Look, these are denominators. You multiply this one so that it's the same as that, and you add them up. Man, that's easy. Charles Bennett dreamed of returning to the old neighborhood as a teacher. But without money for college, only half of his dream came true. He's back in the old neighborhood. Well, enough math. I gotta deliver these sandwiches. Please support the United Negro College Fund. A mind is a terrible thing to waste. A message from the UNCF and the Ad Council. The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. You're listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions that you're just dying to ask, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. This is Dr. Kathy Greenberg. I'm here with Dr. Relly Nadler and our guest, Hugh Lytle. Relly, you just posed a pretty important question to Hugh. Would you just go at that right. one more time? So, so before the break, uh, Hugh, we were talking about uh, you dealing with folks with respect, keeping your ego in check. Um, but I think for, for leaders listening to this, how do you deal with, with uh, entrepreneurs who have a big ego and their ego may not be in check. I mean, so one is your self-mastery piece, but what any kind of tips or things you learn to deal with highly su- successful entrepreneurs who may have an expansive ego? Sure. Um, that's, of course, the, 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 that's really to me where art, the art and science of management um, collide. Um, I know how to run a business. I know, how, I know the mechanics of running a business, and um, I'm very, very confident of those. And... That part, <clears throat> um, uh, there's a lot of different people that can do that, and I said, at least uh, uh, at least know what's supposed to happen uh, at an operational level. It's the part where the personalities come into play. It's the part where um, 
personal agendas come into play. It's the part where human nature just comes into play. And so, uh, for me, uh, uh, I thought what I found, uh, and, and I learned some of this through my coaching, um, and I would be remiss if I didn't mention my coach, J.P. Flom of uh, Green Peak Partners. He was a tremendous asset for me at the time. And what, what, what he helped me with is really being a good listener. What I found is that most of these um, entrepreneurs who've been very, very successful struggle uh, coming into an environment where they're not the, you know, the main, uh, uh, the chief, uh, uh, the one who's running the show. So uh, as much as they can envision it, they, they don't know until they're there. And then when they're there, it's hard uh, to gain consensus from groups like this. So what I found is that just being a great listener um, is it, it just makes you more effective. Usually they want to be heard. Once they're heard, um, you know, they can kind of put on a little bit more of an objective hat. It's just it, when they feel like they're not getting heard is when you, you know, you usually run into some of the problems. And so that would be the first thing. The second thing I'd say is you have to be, uh, I don't know the right term for this, but uh, just basically emotionally strong. It doesn't mean devoid of personality, but it just means um, part of that listening well is being able to, uh, you know, take some shots, not react to them, <laughs> um, uh, be able to uh, know that sometimes there may be uh, some uh, malfeasance or some back-ending and some things that just happen uh, and try not to get emotional and, and try not to get retaliatory about it. Um, so I think that uh, emotional stability is important. I also think that uh, once, if, when that does happen, though, uh, you have a responsibility to the company, and that's what usually kept me motivating um, and moving forward, and it was another great point for my coaching, which was, you know, it's my job as president of the company to hold these people big, hold them accountable, and hold them big to their ideas, hold them big to their responsibilities. And when they're not uh, doing that, then it's time to have, um, <clears throat> you know, a session and discuss it and discuss it. You know, reprimand's hard. I'm a 43-year-old guy, and sometimes I'm reprimanding people who are in their 60s, and it doesn't always go over as well, especially when you've got a fairly famous uh, CEO father. So for me, it was, uh, you mentioned a tightrope before. Sometimes it was a tightrope, but the one thing that kept me focused was knowing that, uh, in the end, uh, I'm doing what's right by the company. Those are some some great tips, and I think you, you use the emotionally strong. I know from from the emotional intelligence competencies, uh, emotional self control, you know, is, is one way to say that. And uh, I think the other thing that I have a person like that that I'm coaching that taught me this is to the acronym QTIP, which stands for Quit Taking It Personal. <laughs> and so, especially when you're taking shots and things like that, knowing it's kind of more about them than about you, and so to be able to kind of QTIP that sometimes is a way to help that emotional self-control. I love that. I'm going to have to use that one. Okay. Hey, Hugh, I, I, I want to understand a little bit more uh, about a couple of things you talked about. Um, you, you talked about the ability uh, to give some tough feedback uh, and to do it with people who are more mature and may have more experience than you do. Uh, what, what might be some key insights that you've learned in this experience that you will reuse in your future uh, endeavors. And, and I'd like to talk about some of those uh, visions that you now have for the new mission that you're about to approach. Sure. I, um, uh, you know, it's hard for me to kind of, some of this other stuff I, I can kind of put a little bit of a wrap around, but so many of those were uh, just unique to the situations. But I guess if I had to uh, put them into um, you know, a broader context, um, the, 
uh, I, me and my father joke sometimes about um, some of the old mafia principles being some of the best <laughs> about business that there are. Um, and so for me, you know, bad news needs to travel quickly. You know, good news can take its time. It's an old mafia principle, and that's the way I, I operate. If, if, if there's bad news and someone's ducking the bad news, um, that's that's I make it very clear up front that's a pet peeve and that's something that I want to know and so when it's uh, uh, when I'm not getting that then I know it's you know it's outright uh, uh, you know uh, uh, the lack of support for for at least what I believe as a leader and so um, <clears throat> I tend to uh, on the reprimand side um, um, approach it from a perspective of asking um, uh, questions around the subject matter to get them to come forward with it. And if they don't come forward with it, then I usually confront it straight on. And I, and I do include what I said before. I'll say, listen, you know, um, I have a lot of respect for you because uh, most of the time I do. And I want to make sure that, um, you know, you're living up to your end of the bargain on this thing. And, you know, I think in the end, uh, Kathy, that the, uh, uh, that, the, that the people will respect the truth. Um, I think over time they always respect the truth. Um, but for a younger manager as I was putting into that situation, sometimes you want to just say, ah, it'll take care of itself. <clears throat> and I learned pretty early on that, that that's not the case. So um, I don't know if I answered your question appropriately. No, excellent. I think uh, Noel Tishy would give you an A-plus in, in judgment call. Good, good. So um, thinking about this, Hugh, um, we're trying to always pull out some of these strategies and it sounds like one of the key things was these three-day meetings that you had once a month. You know, talk about an alignment because it sounds like alignment was really important. Um, it, who, were, who were in those three those uh, meetings? You don't have to give the names, but kind of what roles and stuff. And then what was what was the focus? You know, of those because that seemed like that was a critical piece of your success. You know, it really was. It's it's something that um, as I move into our new venture that we're going to be heading into, we're going to do the same thing. I think. Uh, uh, it's one of those things when you see it on your schedule as an executive, you go, oh, boy, um, you know, three days in a row of uh, being out of the field, um, which, you know, equates to a lot of email and, and just catching up when you're back. It equates to a lot of travel for folks that are on the East Coast that had to come out to Arizona. We would also, though, move the meetings around to different uh, uh, locales so that not everybody was always traveling. Um, and... Uh, and 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 you just knew that those are pretty draining meetings because um, what we did was we started uh, usually at a um, uh, we usually had our board committee meetings uh, our board meetings tied to it and also our board committee meetings around it which included a performance meeting uh, performance meetings are basically meetings to uh, drive uh, discussion about you know what we could be doing better and um, so you have to also spend some time on your your financials and on your your operation, so those are um, so it's just a lot of work. And uh, people that attended were primarily the CEOs of the companies that we acquired um, that uh, were running what we call strategic business units (SBUs). Um, and those SBU heads would um, usually come and sometimes bring um, a person or two, depending upon the subject matter we were covering uh, in, in our meetings. But it, the meetings were basically broken out by um, a half day of board meeting, uh, a uh, a full day of strategy, actually two, uh, a full day of strategy, a half day of, uh, of, I'm sorry, day and a half of strategy, and a another half day of uh, performance and operating committees and comp committees and things like that. So we were uh, uh, in that two days of strategy meetings. A lot of times we would 
go uh, pretty deep. We weren't usually working at a high level. We were usually heading into, for example, our integrated product. We would have a good half day to three-quarters of a day on um, getting deep into both the strategic discussion on where do you take the product and then the more tactical discussion of where we at with the project, who's doing this, who's doing what. And if you didn't do that, you'd have to rely on doing it by the phone. You'd have to rely on... Um, uh, you probably end up with a lot of uh, misunderstandings and misinterpretations. The room would get heated quite a bit. Um, you, you know, personalities would, uh, uh, would would rear their head, and we had a lot of battles. But, um, you know, it, it was an emotionally draining thing. But when we left, again, we were always better, and our performance showed it. Well, that's good to hear because I think, you know, for most leaders listening to this, the strategy is always the hard part. I think you get caught up with operational issues. And just having that on your calendar and knowing to have the three days, at least a day and a half, is all strategy. That that's a that's a great uh, piece of information. Great. One of the things um, I, I think our listeners would like to hear a little bit about is your new dream and and what you're doing to uh, help people uh, to sustain themselves without necessarily having to leave their homes um, and have a different level of care. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um, well, we're still developmental on this, but uh, we are um, um, working with um, uh, our partners to um, <clears throat> to build up a, uh, a new organization that uh, will incorporate some of the learnings that we had from from Axie around integrating uh, services to, uh, to uh, both bring down costs and also increase the quality of of the product or the service that you're receiving. And so, the area we are targeting right now is. Um, uh, is in uh, help what we're calling independent aging or helping uh, uh, the uh, large influx of seniors that will be turning uh, over 65 in the next 20, 30 years. We're going to be putting together um, programs to help them stay at home. Um, we're, we're not big believers in the institution. We don't believe anybody wants to spend time in an institution unless they have to, other than some kind of a short-term uh, uh, recuperation uh, scenario. And so what we're trying to do is... Uh, Put together the uh, right now. It's kind of a dispatch service. Um, the, the the way the industry operates, we're trying to bring some of our concepts of uh, integration and uh, uh, capabilities uh, that we uh, have uh, identified to uh, put them together in a system that makes sense. So that if you're uh, everything from kind of below acuity caregiving, um, where your mother lives in San Francisco, you live in Boston, you're not really sure how to reach out or where to go um, uh, to help people get. Uh, 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 those types of services. Well, I want to talk a little bit more about how a leader learns how to do this kind of uh, process and learns about their constituents so you can serve them better when we come back to Leadership Development News. The bottom line in business, Voice America Business. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power 
brand influence so you and your team perform better? What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. Do you need directions to solve financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Dad, let's sing that bedtime song. Rockabye baby by Newton's treetop. His first law of motion makes sure you won't stop. The same rules of physics apply to a ball. While gravity is a force that makes things fall. By the sixth grade, many girls lose interest in math and science, but it's never too early to set your daughter's future in motion. For some simple ideas, go to girlsgotech.org. A public service announcement brought to you by Girl Scouts of USA and Ad Council. The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. You're listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions that you're just dying to ask, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. I'm Dr. Relly Nadler with Dr. Kathy Greenberg on the phone. We're talking with Hugh Lytle. And Kathy, you had some questions that you wanted to follow up with Hugh on this last segment here. Yeah, I did really. Um, You know, we've been talking to Hugh about coaching, personal mastery, alignment, uh, decision making um, in the in the health management field as it pertains to uh, this the private equity market. But I wanted Hugh, as a leader, to talk about how do you get inside the mindset of your customer to be able to create a product and a service that enables them to be their best. Um, And in this particular situation, how you create a health management organization for the future. And you you were talking about those of us like Relly and myself who are going to need this kind of care about 20 years out or or sooner. (laughs) So I was curious to know how you get into that mindset as a leader. Well, that's a that's a great question. Um, it's uh, you know the the one thing, even with all the experience that uh, uh, my father has and that I have, uh, you know, in the various discipline within health services, um, in the context we have, you never really know. <laughs> you know, um, private equity is very big on buying growth businesses and and, and really looks to get those. Uh, Large returns because they're 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 paying up for something that is uh, they you know that, that we've at least told them as industry people that are going to be um, it's going to be big in the future. So 
uh, so that that's one level. You know, what what are the macro uh, uh, big uh, picture items that are going on in the industry? And then Ben and I run it through our filter, which is you know what's really broken in those systems and uh, in healthcare services. There's a lot, so we've got a lot to choose from. Um, and then uh, for us personally, it's 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 what's fun. You know, what what do we enjoy to do and um, what. Uh, you know, there's a little bit of do-getter in us, and, you know, what are we, you know, we've looked at a number of cost containment businesses, and it's just not where our heart's at. We want to help people, and so you get you get a pretty big high off of that. So that's that's where we start as kind of our first level of filter, and then um, and then we go into a real super hardcore heavy research mode. That's just uh, kind of the nature of who we are. We're, we're, we're out front people, but, but we still have kind of this uh, geeky analyst in ourselves that won't let us move unless we've got the right... Uh, we're seeing the right stuff, and you know, too many times in in, uh, in this type of work, uh, I think where other people who've done private equity have not done as well is that they kind of create the facts. You know, they look at the statistics, or they look at something, and say, "Hey, this supports my thesis," and they run. We look for as many things that don't support it as we do that support it, and I think that's part of the <clears throat> part of our success. So we go heavy everything from clients to identifying market gaps to uh, we talk with a lot of industry execs and people in the space. And then we test our hypothesis across everything from industry to academics to uh, uh, just about anyone we know, somebody sitting on an airplane next to us. And uh, we, uh, and what we're really focused on isn't the underlying industry of the companies. It's where can we create new value, as I mentioned before. That's what private equity pays us for. They can get people to put companies together. They need us to create a layer of value that is uh, enticing. And so... We, you know, we dig deep on that part, and then we test that with um, using a private equity model. You'll generally use uh, very sophisticated resources. So we'll use, uh, for example, uh, on our market research, we'll we'll we'll, uh, we'll pay for a company to do um, a very tailored, uh, very specific questions that will drive uh, calls into uh, organizations or, or 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 to very senior people uh, in a blinded way to be able to understand just exactly what's going on in that industry. So we go in with a lot of information uh, up front, and then that also helps us in then targeting, uh, targeting our um, entrepreneurs um, and targeting our, our companies that uh, would make up the mix of what we're trying to uh, do, if it's a component aggregation, if it's something where we're adding businesses together to equal a greater sum. It's amazing. It's and amazing then, the level of detail um, the the level of thoughtfulness, the level of emotional, um, I want to say kind of immersion that you actually do before you make these decisions. Well, Kathy, I, there's there's something that, you know, Ben and I always joke about is um, um, we, we have a test when we're hiring new executives. We say, can they, can they, uh, can they uh, go into the white room? And what we mean by the white room is um, it's, and, uh, it, it comes from uh, – Having done this a number of times ourselves, but the white room is how do you how do you erase all the bias you have? How do you erase and put yourself inside that room where you're not you're truly looking at this business or you're looking at uh, companies that would fit into this business on a complete uh, objective basis? And it's hard to do, but if you can get yourself to that point, um, sometimes it screws up momentum. You've got a bunch of momentum. You've got two acquisitions you've just done. You're getting ready to move to the third. It's exciting. It can really take you over the top. Maybe it's just got great numbers, but it's not strategic. Who knows what the situation is? But you have to stop, take a deep breath, go in the white room, and if you come out and say, you know what, it's not the right business, it, it screws things up sometimes. But in the end, it's the right thing to do because it doesn't support what you're trying to get done. So, 
That's great information. Uh, you have just a quick question before we tell, get to the tail end here. Um, kind of working with your dad on a personal level. You know, I, I chose not to go into business with my dad early in my life just because I knew he'd always be overlooking my over my shoulder and I, whatever I was going to do wasn't going to be right. Um, so I imagine you had different kind of ingredients with your dad choosing to go into that. But it, anything that kind of you know, made that work for you? Yeah, you know, um, when we first started this, uh, we started the interviewing private equity, for example. I think they had seen so many problems with uh, with uh, father-son combinations or mother and brother and mother and sister and, you know, everything else uh, it, that they just said enough. Um, and so they, they tend to really put a scrutinizing, a scrutinizing eye to it. Um, we just always have seen eye to eye, and it's maybe just a... Uh, a function of even our our ages. Uh, he had me when he was eighteen years old, so we're only eighteen years apart in age. Oh, wow. So we have a, a more of a friendship, you know, as, as much uh, as much as we do a father son relationship. And so uh, I think we respect each other, and we generally, I'd say, eight out of ten times, nine out of ten times, are going to um, think the same way on something. So we've been able to. Uh, it makes it a little easier. It's not like we're trying to, uh, you know, uh, really uh, take on uh, right. things that aren't. Uh, Align so so we we uh, uh, I think we just have a good base to start from and it's it's allowed us to and you know we have had our tough conversations and uh, you know he said to me when we, before we started the venture you know this be, if this does anything to interrupt our uh, personal relationship then then you know we'll, I'll step out we're not going to do that and so we've always treated that very special we have family dinners we don't talk about axia <laughs> you know we have some certain ways to uh, make sure that we're we're living our lives as first and then the company second. Well, I want to say that we're going to be very excited um, to have uh, Ben Lytle on a future show, and we'll get his opinion on what it was like to work with his outstanding son, Hugh Lytle, and um, I'm, I'm sure we'll get a, a similar story. Hope so. <laughs> Relly, you have any final questions? Um, so I guess just to, to summarize this, he was able to see you for what you bring to the table versus the sun. And I guess it was very interesting here, just 18 years apart, so maybe more as a peer versus a seeing in the light of the mental model of this my son, he's never going to know as much as me. Yeah, exactly. You know, we had our, you know, there's, always, there's always some preconceived built-in bias, but uh, overall it, it worked out very, very well. Well, Hugh, it's been a pleasure having you on the show today. Thank you so much. In our next show, we're going to be talking with a talent leader in the industry at Accenture, and that's Barrett Avigdor. So join us. Take good care. This has been Leadership Development News. You've been listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We sincerely hope that you're leaving us today with some great ideas and inspiration from today's top leaders. Join us again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the Voice America Business Channel.